0: Hello, everyone. My name is Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Thank you for joining the Myers Detox Podcast today, where we talk all about toxins and tips and tricks on detoxing, reducing toxin ingestion, and all kinds of ways to detox your body and your home. Today I have Laura Adler on the show and we're going to duke it out about how to detox your environment, reduce toxin ingestion, how toxins affect your gut microbiome and your immune system and cause leaky gut and talk about some, you know, some politics too regarding the unleashing of toxins into our environment. How our government is not protecting us like they should lots of really good juicy tips on the show today and how toxins affect your body's metabolic function even some talk about how toxins cause weight gain and prevent weight loss as well I know so many of you listening to this show are worried about your heavy metal levels. Well, I created a very simple quiz at metalsquiz.com, so you can test your metal levels. You can see, based on the questionnaire, if you have low, medium, or high levels of heavy metals in your body based on your lifestyle habits, So go to metalsquiz.com to take the two-minute quiz and learn what you can do to reduce heavy metals in your body and the resultant health issues that they cause, many of which we talk about on today's show. Our guest, Laura Adler, is an environmental toxins expert and educator and certified holistic health coach who teaches health professionals about the links between environmental chemicals and chronic health issues. She teaches everything from weight gain and diabetes to thyroid disease and infertility so they can better support their clients and patients. She takes a practical, real-world approach to dealing with toxins that is informative, accessible, and actionable. Laura also guides her students on how to seamlessly integrate this topic into their practices and to leverage their education to distinguish their work in their fields. She's taught thousands of allied health professionals uh, like health coaches, nutritionists, acupuncturists, chiropractors, and women's health experts from more than 20 countries around the world in her online courses she's a member of the naturopathic association of Enmi- environmental medicine the american holistic health association and a founding member of the health and wellness business association you can learn more about her and her courses on toxins at laraadler.com.
1: laura thank you so much for coming on the show I am so thrilled to be back. Um, it's been a while, but obviously um, we're in the, we're doing the same stuff, um, talking the same uh, important information. So I'm happy to come and, and talk to your audience. Yeah. So for anyone listening, uh, Laura came on the show a
0: few years ago to talk about obesogens which are chemicals that make us fat. That's a really, really good show if you wanna revisit that earlier. I think it's number 43. And so Laura, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you started
1: teaching about environmental
0: toxins?
1: Uh, Yeah, so uh, actually I think I have even an updated version of there's a new dimension in the story since I was on here last that is pretty interesting. So, you know, I didn't start out, you know, in college, being interested in this topic, this was something that sort of found me. Um, I was always interested in health and nutrition growing up, which is a, legitimately a not a cool thing for like a kid in high school to be interested in nutrition, but I never said I was cool. <laughs> um, I was just interested in nutrition. And, uh, you know, I didn't really... Consider it uh, something that I would pursue professionally. It was just something that I was passionate about. Um, and, you know, I really d- dove into, you know, the, all the books that I could get my hands on literally through high school, through college, after college. So for, you know, 20 plus years now. And uh, thought it was to be, you know, really fascinating. And eventually I kind of made my way through to this realm of holistic health coaching. And I was like, ooh, there is an opportunity to serve people and to have a business in this space, talking about this thing that I love at the time, which was nutrition. And uh, it was really after that process that I stumbled into this world of environmental toxins. So my clients, the uh, health coaching clients were coming to me for weight loss. It was actually through this sort of discovery of resistant weight loss that some of my clients had that I was like, what am I missing here? I'm a new health coach. I don't want to seem like a chump that I don't know what I'm doing. Let me figure this out. Yeah. I'm laughing and-
0: because that's how I found toxins also was so- I was having resistant weight loss and went to the doctor. What doctor, what is wrong with me? Help, please fix me, help me. Yeah. And then I found out all these health issues I had and that led me to, heavy metals and chemicals as the underlying root cause.
1: Yeah, so, you know, and I didn't, you know, here I had gone through a health coaching school at the time, which was like a year long program. I'd spent the, you know, the previous 15 years reading about health and nutrition. And at that time I was like, wait a second, why is this the first time that I'm really hearing about this connection between toxins and health? This was, at this point, this was in like, basically in like 2010, so, you know, nine years ago. And there was just not that much discussion about this. And there was nowhere uh, uh, in my health coach training program was there discussion of toxins. None of the health practitioners that I was surrounded with knew enough about it. They were like, yeah, toxins are, quote, bad, but, like, what does that mean? And that really is what sort of pushed me down this path. Now, the funny sort of um, story or sort of uh, uh, crazy surprise was – Uh, Two years ago, I went back to the East Coast where I'm from for my father's 80th birthday. And I was kind of poking around in my bedroom from high school, which is what you do when you go back to your parents' house is you're like, you look at all your old stuff and you're like, wow, I was a dork. And (laughs) I found the old, this plastic box of index cards, which was how in the 90s, we wrote our high school papers, which we had to have our index card as our references. And I was like, Oh, cool. I wrote this paper on veganism because I was super vegan at the time. And the first card that I pulled out was a reference to was a quote from a book talking about how a lot of people are adopting a vegan diet because they're looking to avoid toxic chemicals that are in the environment. And it was dated 1992. So I was like, Oh, I guess in a way this topic actually has been on my radar for a lot longer than i realized um and it's just something that i'm really passionate about and that passion is really fueled by um both the sort of grand injustice that exists in this realm it's not okay that people are being exposed to chemicals that are unregulated or underregulated, and from a professional standpoint, I really think it's not okay for health professionals to be not addressing this piece of the puzzle. It's it's at this stage in the game; it's a non-negotiable. Uh, Dr. Joseph Pizzorno is one of the um, I think he's the founder one of the founders of Bastyr University. Um, Says that uh, toxicity is the primary driver of disease. Yes, the number one primary it's driver. It's the number one driver of disease, and so for I I just think it's it's the it's the elephant in the room. It's the biggest missing piece of the puzzle. There's a dozen ways we can say it, but it's just such an important topic, and I'm thrilled. That within the short amount of time that I've been doing this, there's people who've dedicated, you know, their whole life to doing research in this field. But you know, in the in the nine, ten years that I've been in this space, the landscape around the conversation around toxins has completely changed. You know that because you've been witness to this conversation evolving first from your own experience with mercury toxicity. And now everyone's talking about toxins and detox so it's um that's the silver lining to this big dark toxins cloud is that awareness is really increasing and that's key yeah and i love what you
0: said about that it's it's really irresponsible if you are in the medical field you're working with patients and you're not looking at toxins or heavy metals and chemicals as an underlying contributing factor to yep. people's symptoms and diagnoses. It's ab- I absolutely agree with you. It's totally irresponsible because we know that these metals and chemicals act on every different component of our metabolic functioning in our body.
1: Yeah, and you know I recognize that within certain types of medical uh, professions specifically ones that are still within the traditional insurance model, like they just don't have the time to go there. But, you know, really the allied health practitioner, the holistic practitioner, any type of practitioner who's really has the ability either through the design of their program or practice or through other people supporting people in their practice, like health coaches, like nutritionists, like lifestyle consultants, that can help take the hand of the client or patient and really guide them on making these life, really necessary lifestyle changes to reduce our exposures. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of people still kind of lean heavy on the whole concept of like, oh, well, our body did detoxes on its own, naturally, like, Psh, we don't need any of that detox stuff. Like, <laughs> like I think that might have been the case, like 80 or 100 years ago, but 80 or 100 years ago, we didn't have the kind of synthetic chemical exposures that we have right now. We don't have people that had, you know, 98% of people with glyphosate or 93% of people with BPA metabolites, like those things didn't exist. And so, you know, it's kind of, um, silly to think that our, uh, physiological capabilities to handle these toxicants, these chemicals would have changed in that period of time. So they haven't, And we just don't have the, the, our bodies don't have the capabilities to handle what we're throwing at it. It's a miracle that we're all alive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at all, look around
1: you, look at your computer, look at this
0: microphone, your cell phone, the rings, everything is made of metals and there's so many chemicals being unleashed into our parks and in our food and, and into the air. And these things get into our bodies. They're being unleashed into the environment drudged up as the metals uh, from mining sites and then get into the atmosphere in at unprecedented levels. And so these toxins get into our body in the air, food, and water. So, you know, more and more people are becoming aware of and starting to pay more attention to environmental chemicals. So can you give us some context into why this is such a big deal and why it's critical that we all start thinking to reduce our exposures to toxins?
1: I mean, I think, you know, what we've just been talking about is kind of it, like we're all exposed, like no one is not exposed, zero people are not exposed. There are certain populations in the world or in the country that are less exposed. Uh, there was an interesting article, this was probably published in 2012 or 13, and I don't remember what the publication was, it was like one of those Slate or Vox or one of those type of um, online uh, 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 places. and. The article was talking about a very small subgroup population in the United States that had extraordinarily low levels of compounds like BPA and phthalates in their bodies. Oh, the Amish? It was the Old Order Mennonites (laughs) in Pennsylvania Dutch country. And, you know, the title of the article was Want to Avoid Toxic Chemicals? drop out of modern society (laughs) and I would share that with my students because I was like okay haha this is funny and like this isn't true like we don't have to go to that extreme we don't have to adopt that lifestyle I'm sure that many of us who have been um who are in this space long for the opportunity to perhaps go live in a yurt in the middle of the woods to get away from all of this that's where I'm going (laughs) oh that's great to be with you (laughs) um but I think that the idea is that we, we are all, all being exposed. And when as practitioners, or just or as people, we're looking at the rising rates of chronic illness, um, we see that these, you know, you can do overlays of graphs of the uptick of chronic disease, and it almost <clears throat> completely mirrors the same uptick of the introduction of a lot of these chemicals into the marketplace. Yes, and these chemicals are getting
0: introduced by the thousands yes. every year, untested, no protection from the government, no protection from the EPA, no one's watching what these corporations no, are doing.
1: No, and uh, not only, I mean, I wouldn't say that no one is watching, I would say those that are watching aren't watching well. Yes. Um, and I would say that, you know, with the current administration that we have, um, it's becoming even larger of a problem not smaller of a problem, you know, at the um, end of, uh, and we, we can steer back to toxins away from politics, but at the end of um, Obama's term, <clears throat> we had the update of the Toxic Substances Control Act, which was the first time in 40 years that our primary piece of legislation regulating chemicals had been updated. So that's just a good example of like how Um, kind of absurd our approach is to chemical policy. And there was a period in time when America, the United States, was the leader in the sort of groundbreaking environmental laws and laws regulating chemicals, and the rest of the world has surpassed us. So we, you know, there are places like China and South Korea that have even more strict chemical policies than we do here. And we think of China as being like this place where all the terrible things are made, They're only made that way because they're made to the specifications that American companies ask them to make them. So some of the products that are manufactured in, you know, Chinese factories aren't even allowed to be sold in China because they regulate products differently there. So the bottom line is that, you know, we're seeing rates of autoimmune diseases skyrocket, thyroid conditions skyrocket, um, childhood uh, issues, everything from weight gain to learning disabilities and behavioral problems, ADHD, autism. Um, we see upticks in things like allergies, right? This is very likely related to exposure to toxins, including things like glyphosate. So we're seeing um, rates of heart disease, of diabetes, of breast cancer, of cancers in general. So, you know, we're seeing this big uptake, uptick. And I think that there is a falsely comforting way that cancer statistics, for example, are often spoken about. They talk about, you know, the mortality rates are dropping. Great. That just means that people are living longer with cancer. It doesn't mean that the incident rate is decreasing. And in fact, for some cancers, the incident rate is increasing. So the reality is that it doesn't matter what kind of chronic health issue somebody has, whether it's eczema or an autoimmune condition, which is an autoimmune condition, or infertility, or Alzheimer's, or any kind of neurodegenerative problem, there is a component of this that is linked to environmental toxins. So we can't, we can't hope to treat, or address, or heal from these issues if we're not addressing these exposures that we're getting every single day. So for me, like I was saying earlier, it's, an, it's a non-negotiable, and I just think that um, you know we're all exposed. Every single day and you know the as dark and gloomy as that sounds the good news in this sort of change in awareness that I was mentioning earlier that like the landscape has changed means that consumers are driving the way that our products are being manufactured BPA free didn't exist. Uh, Not that that's a good option but BPA free didn't exist until moms found out they were in baby bottles and put up a stink. 10 years ago, you couldn't find natural skincare products that didn't cost a fortune that weren't buried in the back of some like crunchy, dusty health food store. (laughs) Whole Foods wouldn't be everywhere. Like, so there's this big sort of global trend where people are demanding more transparency in the products that they're using. And so it's this convergence of we've, we're fed up with being sick, and we're starting to take a closer look at what's in our environment and what we're finding we're not happy with, and so we're demanding change. And I think this sort of cauldron of activity um, is, is really exciting because it means that things aren't gonna stay this way. Yes. And, you know, we can't really
0: control so much about what corporations are unleashing into the environment, but we can control what we put in our mouth, what we put on our body, what we're spraying around our house and spraying in our yard. You know, we have to be thinking about these little choices that we're making every single day. Uh, about what we put in and around our body. And that's what I love about what you do is uh, teaching individuals and practitioners about making better choices and teaching about toxins. Uh, Because this, I really truly believe that the people that are paying attention to You know, metals and chemicals and preventing ingestion and detoxing them are going to be be the people living longer,
1: healthier lives, medication and disease free. Yeah, completely, completely. And I think that, you know, the the key here is that we start with avoidance. Um, You know, that's uh, I just posted something on Instagram recently that was, you know, that we if your hand was in a pot of boiling water, you wouldn't leave your hand in the boiling water and then treat it at the same time you would take it out. It's a very obvious reflex, but we don't do that when it comes to this idea of being exposed to toxic chemicals or having toxic chemicals in us Um, practitioners often jump towards the you know the sexy detox moving towards the detox phase um, and consumers are conditioned to want that because we want quick fixes because that's what we've societally been conditioned to want and expect um, but the most powerful step that people can take is not not those detoxification protocols first in order to get those detox protocols to really, really work for us, we have to focus on avoidance first. And that's really why I chose, you know, in, in my business to teach avoidance behaviors, to teach practitioners what I call like the what, where, how, and what now. What are they? Where are they? How do they affect us? And what do we do about it? How do we engage with people around reducing these exposures that are just kind of filling this bucket? And, you know, when we have compounds that have half-life in the body of uh, years or decades, we have to stop adding to that. Like we have, you know, these PFAS chemicals, these uh, perfluoroalkyl substances that are now contaminating everyone's drinking water, that everyone's been, you know, the the Devil We Know uh, documentary on Netflix, I don't know if you've seen that yet, it's excellent. Um, you know, these are chemicals that have a half life in the human body of three and a half to eight years. So it takes eight years just to reduce one exposure, for example, or one volume of this compound by half. And we're bringing these chemicals in faster than we can get rid of them. So in order to help facilitate uh, excretion and removal of these, of these uh, compounds and, and contaminants, we really have to focus on avoiding them as much as possible. Yeah. And people
0: are becoming more and more aware of the importance of our microbiome and, when it comes to our overall health. And so we can uh, experience, you know, lowered good gut bacteria, leaky gut, and other yep. health issues that contribute to the demise in our health in various ways. So what are some of the overall effects that result from toxins affecting our gut
1: health? Well, I I think the the another way to ask that question is what aren't, what yes. isn't like, what isn't because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, easier yeah. to list the things that aren't. But, you know, when we look at things, um, that, are, result from a gut dysbiosis, it's everything from, you know, hormone imbalance, insulin resistance, you know, metabolic issues, that's weight gain, uh, diabetes and obesity, um, autoimmune conditions, uh, endometriosis, infertility, uh, Fibroids, PCOS, then you've got neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, um, things like heart disease, allergies, asthma, learning disabilities, Uh, the big ones, anxiety, depression, brain fog and chronic fatigue, cancer, of course, all of these things are associated with gut dysbiosis or, or an out of balance gut microbiome. And all of those things are also linked to exposures to environmental chemicals. There's a lot of overlap with the topic of chemicals and gut health. And there's actually this really interesting um, bi-directional relationship where toxins in essence can uh, interfere with our uh, ability to break down other compounds in the gut. And those, uh, so we've got toxins affecting gut and then the gut might, uh, whatever is the the profile of the gut bacteria in our microbiome can actually determine the toxicity of compounds that we're exposed to. So two people can be exposed to the same compound and because of that gut bacteria difference, one person might be more highly affected by that same exposure because of the way the gut microbiome has altered the body's ability to handle that chemical. So it, it, we can't just look at the health of the gut, and we can't just look at toxins, we have to really look at them in tandem because they are very, very um, directly linked uh, in, in the way that they behave. So we know that a lot of uh, the environmental chemicals that we're exposed to, glyphosate for example, arsenic, um, act as antibiotics in the gut. So they wipe out our gut bacteria, but there's also been research that shows that um, arsenic exposed rats had a decreased ability to detox arsenic. So the exposure actually interferes with your body's ability to eliminate this very same chemical. Yes, yeah, and that's a very good point because people don't realize that the more
0: toxic you become, the less ability you have to get rid of these toxins, because like mercury will poison enzymes that detox arsenic. Mercury is a big, big factor in preventing detox of other metals. Yep. Your liver gets congested, your other detox pathways become messed up in various ways. And so the more this time goes on and you're not doing something to you know, drain the bathtub, so to speak, or detox your body, the the less and less ability you have to detox.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think what's interesting to me when I was going back and kind of looking at the research on this is that this is not all new information. So there was a 1980 research study on rodents that found that uh, rodents that had been dosed with antibiotics had significantly more mercury in their body tissues, including the brain, the liver, um, uh, blood, skeletal muscle, um, and they excreted less than rats that were not exposed to the antibiotics. So that's another example of what we we're just talking about, but that research goes back to 1980, before this explosion about um, you know gut microbiome and all of that. So it's just going to show that like this is We've kind of been on this discovery path for a while. We've come to this head with this, you know, explosion of research in the in the area around gut health that's been happening in tandem with this explosion in research and environmental health. And I think they're now just starting to uh, to really pay attention to the overlap, which I think is is so important. And so, you know, when I when it comes to the gut microbiome, I know that you know obviously we want to be, you know optimizing our nutrition, we want to be making sure that we're having pre and probiotics. But that's not enough if we're not also addressing the toxic exposures that we're getting every day.
0: Yes, yes, not enough to just take a probiotic. So, nope. what, so what are some of the examples, you mentioned a couple of toxins that we're exposed to that dramatically impact our gut health and even promote leaky gut?
1: Yeah, so uh, glyphosate is like numero one here because we're all exposed to glyphosate to some degree um and like i said glyphosate acts as an antibiotic in the in the uh body and and disrupts the uh, microbiome in the same way that an antibiotic would and it can actually um lead to the uh depletion of glutathione in the body glutathione is our you know our primo superstar uh, uh, detox enzyme. And so if we're being exposed to compounds that are depleting our glutathione levels, that in and of itself can explain part of why we're having a harder time quote unquote, detoxing and get clearing these chemicals out of the body. So, uh, glyphosate is certainly one of them, uh, uh, chlorpyrifos, which is one of the most widely used herbicides. 93% of people tested by the CDC have metabolites of this pesticides in their urine. Another example that we are all exposed. Um, and, uh, there's been research that shows that low doses, low dose exposures, similar to what we would be getting in a normal, um, exposure scenario, either through residues on food or in drinking water, because this herbicide is often found in drinking water, um, that uh, chronic low dose exposure and some rodent studies have found uh, that it's there's a decrease in the good type of beneficial bacteria that we need in our guts um, and an increase in inflammation and gut permeability. So that right there might be, you know, if we're having 93% of people that are being regularly exposed to this compound, just one single compound that can cause intestinal permeability. And then we look at all the other compounds that we know of that can similarly cause intestinal permeability. It's no wonder that we have autoimmune conditions that are skyrocketing. It's no wonder that we have chronic inflammatory conditions that are like off the charts and that pretty much everyone has something. Yeah, the immune system malfunctions. I mean that your immune system, a big part of it is
0: in your gut. You have immune cells in your gut. We've gotta take care of our guts. It's amazing when you start eating organic food, your amount of pesticides in your body go down dramatically.
1: Yeah, Uh, there was a a study that was looking at farm workers who were applying um, pesticides and herbicides to crops and they were measuring the oral microbiome which was, I was like, that's a really interesting study. And they found that the oral microbiome would shift seasonally in uh, tandem with the seasonal application of these herbicides. So that's just like, there's just so many points of connection um that that we have um triclosan which thankfully is no longer found in our this is an antibacterial agent that used to be found in uh hand soaps and hand sanitizers um it's still found in a million other places so we're not off the books they're not in the clear for that and if anybody works in a clinical setting then their hand sanitizers still use triclosan or triclocarbon or any of the other compounds um uh that are deemed uh these are actually deemed as pesticides classified as pesticides um and uh there's been a fair amount of research looking at triclosan and how it affects the microbiome again because it's an antibacterial and people will you know use it topically on their skin Um, there's uh uh, research again in in mice most of the research that we have is in mice and rodents Um, that found that exposure to triclosan caused that same gut inflammation um, and it increased uh, issues with colitis uh, and uh, uh, led to an increase in colitis-related cancers. So, you know, we have tons and tons of these uh, examples where we've got these small associations or small uh, connections. And what I find fascinating is that when we're looking at this sort of laundry list of all these chemicals it would be bad enough if we were just exposed to one like i was saying a moment ago we're exposed to hundreds and hundreds of chemicals so no wonder we have all of this uh chronic inflammation chronic gut issue chronic immune system issue um, as you were saying um, as i mentioned earlier arsenic right arsenic is a metal it's a really 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 common drinking water contaminant um Uh, it's found in our rice, it's found in, uh, and there's interesting ways that we can deal with that, that to reduce arsenic levels, it exists, people freak out. Um, But that's actually a really big concern in the gluten-free community, because the gluten-free folks will use rice and rice-based products as replacements. So there's a big potential uptick in exposure to arsenic-contaminated rice. And, uh, you know, there's, over a hundred million people worldwide that are drinking contaminated uh, water that's contaminated with arsenic. Um, arsenic is a carcinogen. It's an endocrine disruptor, um, but it also degrades uh, microbial biofilms, again leading to gut permeability, i.e., leading to leaky gut. I so, had a
0: lot of arsenic from eating chicken, just from oh, eating conventional right, yes. chickens so because it's fed and it's in the chicken feed if you're not eating organic chicken or organic eggs guess what you're eating a boatload of arsenic
1: yeah and you know when it comes to the rice i think people get really confused about the rice issue because it's for the most part it's not necessarily a chemical uh intentionally that's been added either as a pesticide um at least here in the united states a lot of our rice plantations are grown on what were former cotton uh, plantations and the cotton plantations used arsenic based pesticides way back when, well, arsenic is natural, so it can be naturally occurring, so it just kind of lives in the soil. It's not gonna break down into anything cause it's arsenic. And so it just so happens that rice has an affinity for arsenic, it pulls it up out of the soil. It's kind of like a hyperaccumulator plant where it's gonna pull that up and it just so happens that rice does that. But depending on where that rice is grown, so if your rice is coming from Southern United States, that's where we had a larger quantity of cotton plantations but we don't know that because when we go to the store to buy our rice it doesn't tell us that it came from this farm in california versus this farm in mississippi yes yeah and i want to eat
0: white rice also because a lot of the metals the arsenic accumulates in the bran uh yes. primarily it can be in the, the the endosperm and the white rice as well but i i completely avoid all brown rice products mm-hmm. as a result of that and indian rice india yes big problem with arsenic yep. in their water and what they're watering their crops with so i avoid rices from india i stick to the california rices yes the, yeah, L- the lundberg yes
1: Those
0: i feel good about
1: and and the other thing you know that's interesting about you know what's happening in india actually bangladesh has a bigger problem than india specifically but um, they have some of the worst arsenic contamination in their groundwater ever. And it came out of um, this humanitarian effort in the 80s to try to di- uh, dig these deeper wells for the people in Bangladesh who didn't have access to clean water. And all we did was tap into that groundwater where there happens to be, uh, from a geography standpoint, a higher amount of arsenic in the the substrate in that you know deep uh, area where they were drilling well. So you know, we came in to try to solve one problem and just created a bigger problem for them. But it is a significant, significant health issue that um, has an enormous toll on human life out there in Bangladesh, but we're not devoid of that problem here.
0: Yeah, and a really interesting arsenic fact, I think everyone would be really interested in knowing, because I know I was, was that arsenic will poison enzymes that transports triglycerides out of fat cells. So you have a harder time losing weight and melting that fat if you have arsenic toxicity and high levels of arsenic and mercury because mercury poisons enzymes that detoxes arsenic. So yeah. um, those, yep. those two issues compound each other.
1: Yeah, so you know I think that we're seeing a ton of this. Um, one of the ones that's interesting that's new in this in this space is the uh, research around BPA and uh, that BPA is now linked to. Um, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, all sort of colitis and Crohn's disease, um, which is what chronic inflammation of the digestive tract. So we're just seeing the same types of uh, effects from all of these exposures, which is why we can't just say, "Oh, I'm going to deal with this." A, we can't just "quote unquote" detox, but we also can't selectively say, "Oh, well, I have a BPA-free or I drink out of glass, so like I'm good." But people ignore their laundry detergent and their household cleaners and their personal care products. We got to do all of it as much as possible. Um, caveat without driving ourselves nuts. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I know it's
0: toxic. <laughs> I know when I'm at the, the teller, they're like, would you like your receipt? Cause there's BPA oh, in the yeah. receipt. I'm like, Ah, oh, no, like, I run no, away. No, no, no I, don't, I don't, don't want my receipt. I don't want to touch it and have that yeah. BPA. soak in
1: <laughs> no, I've had, I've had more than one. Um, when I sign receipts, like at a restaurant, I usually put the napkin over the top oh. of the receipt to just so that I have some traction to sign the paper. And I have had multiple waiters um, be like, oh, why are you doing that? Because it's a very intentional <laughs> move. And then I'm like, I, I'm like mm, I'll am like, i explain it to you, it's but like, I'm so sorry story. you have to touch these things all day. Yeah, yeah, I know. And see, ladies and gentlemen, all the little tips and
0: tricks you're learning to be a little bit neurotic at home yes. and abroad. <laughs> it's and very yes. important.
1: And I didn't even give you my, my rice tip that if you cook rice using the pasta method, which is, you know, normally when people cook rice, it's like two cups of water, one cup of rice and all of the rice absorbs the water. Well, if you cook your rice using the pasta method, which is I've always done mostly because I'm lazy and I burn my rice. So this was (laughs) how I figured out to not burn my rice is I just put, you know, a ton of water in a pot and whatever rice I'm going to cook. And then I just test it. And when it's done, I drain it. And when you do that, you're actually draining a lot of that arsenic out in the water. So it doesn't reabsorb back into the rice. So uh, Consumer Reports uh, did some testing on this when the arsenic story broke about arsenic and apple juice and arsenic in rice products a number of years ago. And that's um, one of the methods that they had found to really significantly reduce the arsenic level in rice. So that's just how I've always cooked my rice, again, because I'm notorious for burning my rice. Um, But the upshot is it allows me to not worry about the rice that I eat. one, I'm choosing rice from California, and two, I cook it in that method, so whatever arsenic might be present in there is at least going to be dramatically reduced, yeah,
0: and also, if you're cooking rice in a rice cooker, guess what that's a non stick coating that is toxic as well that's getting into the rice that's not doing you any favors, or you could just not eat rice and just avoid yeah. this problem altogether
1: sweet potato
0: exactly, so, so yeah. <laughs>
1: there's, there's so, there's so much here, you know, that we we could even talk about chlorine in the drinking water. Like, hello, that's in the drinking water to kill microbial bacteria. And then we're consuming it. And guess what? A large portion of the portion of the weight of our bodies is microbial bacteria. You're
0: drinking pool water. Guess what? That's destroying your gut microbiome.
1: Yeah, so, you know, there is some research that indicates that, you know, people who drink chlorinated water, uh, which is a lot of people, um, uh, have increased uh, risks of colorectal tumors um, uh, that are attributed to this altered gut microbiome through the consumption of chlorinated water, which is killing off all of that good bacteria that we need to thrive and to absorb the nutrients that we're eating. And, you know, I think that as consumers, and especially as practitioners, as we're shifting towards cleaning up our diets, we want to make sure that our bodies can utilize those nutrients. And we do that by making sure the gut is okay. And we do that in part by cleaning up our toxins. So it's all connected, right? And we can make that same analogy with a hundred other different scenarios, not just related to the gut, that if we do want to do this, then we have to do this. And in order to do that we have to do this other thing and that other thing is always going to be cleaning up the toxins
0: yeah and you talk a lot about water you have a lot of information on your website about water and water filters and cleaning up uh you know your water because that is a huge huge source of toxins even if you're drinking filtered water a lot of people aren't drinking
1: kind of properly yeah and that's you know i have a whole course on that because after years of getting questions like what kind of water should, filter should I get? Or is this the right water filter? I was like, ah, I can't answer this question for you in the, in a one line statement, because the answer is always, it depends. It might be a great water filter. It just might not be the right water filter for you based on where you are. And someone two miles down the street might need a different type of filter because their water is regulated or, or run by a, uh, a, uh, or, or, or um, a different municipality oversees the water uh, treatment plant there. So it's, you know, you have got all of these different variables, but yeah, I mean, we drink water every day, all day. It's so important that that water is clean and free of these chemicals, whether they're altering our gut microbiome or leading to obesity or leading to fertility issues or hormone imbalance. Um, and, you know, the, uh, Clean Water Drinking Act only regulates 91 contaminants, but there's hundreds more in there than what are regulated. So all those other ones are technically there, quote, legally.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I saw Erin Brockovich, who's a big, you know, water
1: safety advocate
0: hawking a a water filter system. That's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I just
1: just saw that. I just saw that. Erin
0: Brockovich Um, approved.
1: (laughs) Hey, and, you know, if that's, you know, she does, she knows her stuff more than... Most, yeah, uh, especially when it comes to water, because she she's spent her career fighting for clean water. So you know, and it's not the best fit for everybody. So that's the you know, people say is the Berkey great? Well, yeah, but you know, I used to live in a in a 600 square foot one bedroom apartment in New York City. A Berkey was not for me because I had 24 inches of counter space. Where was I going to put a Berkey? <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah, and there's and there's so many different types of toxins in the water. Like I have uranium in my water yes. here in Southern California, and yep. uh, you know a typical water filter not going to remove that. So that's my yep. problem. And a lot of people in the south, southwestern United States have uranium that causes yep. weight issues and cancers and blood sugar uh, regulation issues. Um, so I had to get a filter that removes that. So a lot to be learned about water filtration. And, you know, the Brita filter, not cutting it. Sorry, guys. No. And so. Sorry, guys. so, So where can we learn more about your work and all the so many courses that you have related to toxins and reducing your exposure? Where can we find you?
1: Uh, on my website, which is just my name, dot I've got um, a number of uh, courses. And uh, like I said, one on water, I've got a class on um, obesity, I've got a, a five month certificate course uh, that I teach every year, I've got a new course that's coming out. Um, and people can find me over on Instagram. I'm on there at environmental toxins nerd uh, which is my handle on Instagram. Um, (laughs) and people can come say hi. And, you know, for practitioners that are listening, I, whether it's through my courses or anybody else's like get, get fluent in this conversation, get fluent and comfortable and confident and articulate in communicating about these issues to the people that you serve. Because I just, I think it's so important. And it's like the, you know, the, the rising tide lifts all boats idea here is that when we have this mass of people that are aware of what's happening in our environment and that are starting to make different choices at the retail level consume uh, consumers have tremendous buying power and we have the ability to completely shift the marketplace so the more people that we can get out there making changes the faster that this change will spread to people who maybe don't know about it or can't necessarily afford to be making all of these changes. Uh, and I think that's important too, because this issue around toxins is not just a health issue, it's a class issue, it's a social justice issue, it's a race issue. There's so many different layers to this topic. And I'm a big fan of just get it out there, start talking about it, get people to start making changes. This is the work that you do every day, Wendy. So. You know, I tip my hat to you for doing this. Um, and, you know, I'm sad that it took your own health challenge to bring you here. But the upshot is that you get to help all of the thousands of people that follow you and listen to your podcast and and who are just part of your community. So you're part of this rising tide. Um, and I'm grateful for the work that you do. So. Yes,
0: and you too. I mean, I love talking toxins just like you do. It's such an important thing to be talking about because like we've said you know, all these different metals and toxins affect every different metabolic function in our body. Every different symptom, every different diagnosis one could receive, there is an underlying metal or chemical uh, exacerbator or outright underlying root cause of those symptoms and diagnoses. And so if you're a health, pra- health practitioner listening, you need to be taking courses to educate yourself and your clients to reduce toxin exposure in your environment and in in their environment, your client's environment as well. It's just such an important thing uh, to know. And, And Laura has all these different resources for you to learn just that. So Laura, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Wendy. And everyone, thanks so much for listening and tuning in every week to talk toxins and to learn about how to detox your body and environment from metals and chemicals. So we'll be back next week with more Toxin Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. Talk to you soon.